Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the California Cannabis Report, your spot for the latest insights and news to the California cannabis industry. Today we have an exciting episode for you. Not only is it the first episode, it's also a great interview with owners and founders of the Arcana Flower brand and the River Chai Farms, Jamie Beatty and Chia Rodriguez. We go up to their farm and interview them and introduce you guys to their farm, their brand, their strains, and give you some background of the second generational farmers that they are. Uh, It's a great interview. I hope you stick around. Come on, join me up to Mendocino. See you guys up there. Welcome, everyone. Today, we have founders of Mendocino Generations, River Shy Farms, and Arcana Flowers, Jamie Beatty, and Shia Rodriguez. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for coming out. Yeah. Anytime. This is a beautiful place, beautiful area. Um, we're at the uh, Greenfield Ranch, correct? Mm-hmm. This is where you were born, right? Correct. This, this place has history in Mendocino, right? Uh, do you want to kind of elaborate on the history? Sure. Yeah. Um, both of us are second generation Greenfielders. Uh, we were both raised here. Both of our fathers were original owners on this um, land, which is sort of an intentional back to the land hippie community. Uh, started in 1972. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, do you, were you guys both raised on the, on the ranch? Well, <laughs> Chia, Chia was born, was raised born on and the raised. ranch, and uh, my dad was one of the first people to buy into the ranch. Mm. And uh, I was like a half of all weekends and half of all vacation kid up here, and I moved up here full time in 1997. 1997? Mm-hmm. That's when you graduated high school, correct? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we reconnected uh, the following, yeah, 98. 98, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Is that when you moved up here full time as well? Um. Well, I had been kind of, I was sort of a similar, like, through high school, I just yeah. lived up here on the weekends in the summertime, basically, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we bought this farm in um, 2000. 2000? And our son was born in uh, February of 2001 here in the house. Oh, awesome. So, awesome, yeah. congrats. Uh, <laughs> so this wasn't your original parents' lot and property? Correct. No, yeah. it wasn't. Actually, um, this is on the same parcel as his father has a piece just below us. Um, and my father's land is way out the other direction. So we actually have about 28 miles of road internally on this ranch. Mm-hmm. And though we say we're neighbors, we're kind of far away from each other. <laughs> Very distant neighbors. <laughs> I can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And you, yeah. both your parents still live on the property? Yep. Both of our dads are still yeah. here. Yeah. My dad lives right down the hill. Oh, uh, that's he awesome. this place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and so, gro- you know, Growing up here, uh, coming here weekends and holidays, uh, were what was your kind of early experiences in the cannabis industry, if, if any? Well, personally, um, my father was a what we call a gorilla grower. Mm-hmm. He grew in you know in the trees and platforms and trees and hid it underneath blackberry bushes and mm-hmm. anywhere he could really to sort of um, uh, you know hide the plants but give them a little enough sunlight. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I grew up um, with the, you know, kind of the fear of the Reagan era and the war on drugs and hiding and never telling anybody what, you know, what your parents do and just trying to be really hush hush about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up in the, you know, in the trim scene, we'd have a trim crew come every season and there'd be, you know, somebody cooking and cleaning and there'd be, you know, kind of somebody paying attention to me and the other guys helping my dad. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so I grew up in that in that scene, and mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of changed over the years until, you know, about I think in '96, Prop 215 passed, and so then people were growing out in that actual sun yeah the full sun so things really more, shifted at that more point were, more yeah, yeah. A little bit they more started feeling comfortable with it yeah. at least uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. kind of blew up from there yeah. yeah yeah and like my dad uh grew a little bit too and mm-hmm. same thing kind of a gorilla style you know in just remote places and we'd have to go up and you know check watering systems and check rat traps and and uh call them tomatoes if any you know any of my friends were around and, and uh, <laughs> there was a big raid in 1980 on the whole ranch and, oh really and uh yeah and so tons of people got their their plants cut down and that kind of uh put the fear into my dad and those guys stopped growing for a long a long time after that i can imagine were you were you up here during the raid i was not up here mm. how i found out is uh my best buddy from around the corner i went to school in berkeley mm-hmm. um and uh he came over with the paper and it was on the front of the paper <laughs> and i was like no that's not my dad that's the picture from the yankees <laughs> the same name but of course it, it was you know and so uh so it, it was kind of a, uh, a scary time, you know, kind of really put the fear into me. So when mm-hmm. I first started growing up here, doing a gorilla style too, like I was pretty paranoid and really hiding under the trees and it took us a long time to come out in the open. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hauling water lines and nutrients way out in the middle of the bushes, you know. Yeah. Now you guys got it easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. You know, I've got some flat land and some clean water with a good well. You know, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> but compared to the old days. Right. Compared yeah. to the old days. Yeah. yeah. Different. Yeah. I don't different. have blackberry thorns in my back all the time. Anymore. Yeah. You get nutrients while you're, you can eat while you're doing yeah. it. <laughs> uh, so what? What, um, what kind of pushed you guys into the regulated market, or, or when did you decide to uh, jump into it? Was it right when it passed, 2017, when yeah, you first get your license? anything was offered to us, we, we jumped into it. Yeah. We're also, like, right on the flight path. They were doing, they did they do a two-week training here every year. They haven't been doing it so heavy for the past couple of years, but... Typically in June. Yeah, typically mm-hmm. in June. Um, uh, they would have agencies from all over the country come, and they and they would base out in a few different places. You kind airport was one of them and it was teaching people how to spot uh, cannabis plants from above so they would fly over us all the time and hang out and hang out of the helicopter you know and like do circles and it was you know pretty stressful so i can uh, imagine as soon as something like a legal avenue was available to us we signed on yeah there was a program here called the 9.31 program that's just the number of the ordinance mm-hmm. um where you could pay a hundred dollars per plant to the sheriff's office um, and then you send them a map, basically, with a little X to say where your plants were. Um, and they would come out and inspect you with a third-party inspector. So the sheriff would actually come here, mm-hmm. um, gun-toting and all, and, yeah. you know, asking you all kinds of questions. And it was awkward and had its, you know, it had its pros and cons, for sure. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest cons was at the end of that program, um, the feds came in and took all the records from the sheriff's department. So they had all of our files from all the people who were in that program. So that instilled another level of fear in us. It was like, mm. wait, I thought we were doing as right as we could be doing and being really in the open about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then as there was a new ordinance being written mm-hmm. heading towards Prop 64, which mm-hmm. we're under in California now, um, we were really involved in the beginning in the writing of the the local ordinance um and it is so flawed 
it really it's ridiculous um so it's kind of in a rewrite right at the moment mm-hmm. um but you know so we just felt really like that was sort of the impetus to like get organized and really start calling friends and figuring out who wants to do this who wants to move forward with legalization and you know what does that look like and how can we help each other so that's mm-hmm. kind of how the uh, mendocino generations really got started everyone yeah. is sort of like okay there's a tsunami coming sometime soon <laughs> what should we do you yeah know? and so that was kind of why we started that yeah and so we were yeah in, involved in that in the sense of like you know we put try to communicate what the farmers needs and the reality of the situation was uh, to make the ordinance but it really kind of fell on deaf ears you know they just assumed They're clueless, that everybody yeah. had you know a pile of gold buried in their backyard and they tacked on all these different ex- exorbitant fees, you know, and so then they ended up kind of shooting themselves in the foot because they were expecting, like, this windfall of money to come through. And a lot and, of people to sign up for the program. Yeah, but and they, they did Because they made it so hard, you know, so, co- so costly it, yeah. and so many different ju- uh, hoops to jump through mm-hmm. that kept changing all the time. Like, we jumped through... A million. <laughs> a million hoops, you know, and like you do this one thing, they tell you you have to do it, and then all of a sudden the next year, oh no, you have to do it a different way, you know, so a lot of people kind of just hung back and waited until it got ironed out a little bit. Better. But it never but got, it got ironed caught, out. Right, and still never got ironed out. And a lot of people are never going to move forward with legalization because of the, you know, the problems. They, yeah. They were like, well, you guys be a guinea pig, and then we'll wait and see, and now the wait and see is over. Yeah. And they're like, eh. It's too many headaches, too yeah. many, too, mm-hmm. many, too much stuff to mm-hmm. jump through. Over-regulation. Yeah. And I feel like it hurts uh, farmers out here more than, pe- than farmers or businesses out in the city or more industrial areas because those cities, can, they qualify for sequel exemptions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sequel exemptions don't apply to areas that are already built out. Whereas here, it's open land, you know, mm-hmm. it's not really built out, uh, yeah. and you're kind of coming new to it. So, yeah, no, it's having, having you guys qualify for uh, apply sequa is, doesn't yeah. make yeah, too much well, sense. For us, it was like we actually lucked out in a way because we will potentially be grandfathered in in awesome. our zoning mm-hmm. because we jumped in and we were the 12th permit in Mendocino County. Awesome. But if we would have waited uh, like a lot of people did mm-hmm. for this, this time... Um, they aren't going to be able to get in because of their specific zoning. Oh, that's too... Yeah, unfortunately. So now they're really wiping out heritage growers. You know, they've been waiting and waiting for 50 years to do this legally and legitimately. I know. You... You think the county with such a rich history would actually would want to embrace it and make mm-hmm. it easy for you uh, think. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the people who actually want to partake, who've been partaking in the industry to continue it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, like you said, and I the think found, they're shooting this in the foot. The kind of founders of the industry, the people Ex- that have been exactly. developing all these trains and carrying that line, these lines have been all doing it in the hills. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. they're trying to shut them all down yeah. pretty much and just leave it up to the bigger people who had the foresight to buy or could afford to buy, you know, valley land with lots of water and convert vineyards. And, but that's you know. not even a possibility at this point because um, what's happening with the drought is so severe that like Redwood Valley, for instance, um, they have shut off all unnecessary ag water for any new projects. So you can only keep things alive. You cannot plant new vineyards. You cannot get ag water for anything new. So even if people were to apply and pass the CEQA, get all the way through that, 
they may not even be able to do anything because of the drought. Yeah, they would be but able to the plant. people that do have their own wells and did buy valley land, you know, have it a lot easier. And, uh, you know, the, the cost of production is way less. And, and uh, the, when they're talking about expanding, it's really easy to expand in, in sections like that. Yeah. Versus mm-hmm. doing something up here, we can't expand. This is about as big as we can get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you have to level some hills. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're not going to do. You know, I love, love nature. Exactly. Like, you know, we try not to cut trees. Yeah. Um, so you guys, you guys mentioned that you had to jump through a lot of hoops to get mm-hmm. permits. Can you kind of, uh, you know, walk through just to give people an idea of actual hoops that you do have to jump through to get to yeah. get this? Well, initially, um, it was pretty simple, actually. I mean, we basically we had to permit everything that was existing, which we're not done doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a slow process because. They've given us, you know, you, you get the permit and you get to that point and then they say, okay, you're approved. Now you have three years to like uh, finalize it. Yeah, about. building yeah. permits. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had, that was one of our stipulations here that we had to permit everything on the property. All yeah. structures. All structures. And so, <laughs> and then we added some more like these, you know, the hoop house we're sitting in and all these other depth hoops. Um, and so... You know, it's uh, that has and the been permitting, the biggest hurdle. The permitting process—it's not—it's not as simple as submitting a plan and they rubber stamp it. You know, no. they, yeah, they exactly. They scrutinize it. everything. You have to go through CDFW, which is the California Department of uh, Fish and Wildlife. They need to, um, you know, they never came out here. Actually, we just sort of got the the sign off. Um, but, you know, typically they would be doing that, looking at every, you know, potential waterway, um, you know, runoff, mm-hmm. all those things, all the, the species that are on the site. Um, and then you have to deal with the water board. So when we first started, we were under the um, North Coast Regional Water Board. But all the three boards of California have combined into the state water boards mm-hmm. now. And so then we had to re comply with them and so you know it's just kind of been like all these different changes and layers Mm -hmm. as we go um but i would say that the local uh process has been the most challenging Mm -hmm. the state you know their website is terrible and all those things but really they've been pretty easy yeah in the end because because you did those building permits i feel like those add a lot of obstacles to kind of jump through right especially with all the uh, every, all the stuff that's built out and have it come into code and permitted mm-hmm. and everything yeah and you even have to permit something like this you know this yeah. little thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's like pvc pipe and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so as we mentioned uh at the beginning so you have river shy farms mm-hmm. um which which we're in the we're in a nursery right now yeah. Yeah. uh and then you also have mendocino generations and arcana flowers can you kind of walk walk through the decision to start those two separate brands outside of the farm sure well um so we've had the farm for this is our 23rd cultivation season awesome so we had that first congrats um, <laughs> thanks and it's named after our oldest son um and then as we kind of went through the permitting process and we you know we started talking to more and more neighbors And everybody was sort of like, what do we do? Should we do it? I don't know if we should do it. And you're doing it. So how are you doing it? And and why? And so a lot of people just started asking us questions. And I started consulting with folks. And so we started gathering neighbors and friends and, you know, other farmers in the area who were like, we need help too. And we want to, like, kind of unite to help each other. And so we grew from um, 
the initial like three farms that were in conversation and, and starting that group in the beginning. And to she's talking about Mendocino generations. Mendocino generations, right yeah. Okay. Um, to about sixty-five farms around the county. Awesome. In a, a couple years, and then as the filtration happened with people deciding well, this isn't for us, we're going to just retire or. You know, they literally couldn't do it mm-hmm. because of wherever the location was or something to that effect. Or maybe, you know, CDFW put the kibosh on them mm-hmm. or something to that effect. Um, that number has sort of whittled down. We have about 50 farms who are, you know, active in the the group that basically we're just like a big family and support each other and help each other get information or deals on different sort of farming supplies or, or products. We share plants and genetics. Um you know, we have lots of mixers and, and um, you know, parties and networking things that we can do to kind of help connect the farmers to this, you know, the buyers mm-hmm. or the brands that can help them. Because that's the hardest part is being a farm. If you don't have your own brand, like we have our can of flowers, um, it's really hard to create relationships because these brands, they just they can just jump from one farm to the next. They don't really have any loyalty or you know, connection mm-hmm. to to those farmers. And so what we try to do is help the farmers really have a solid connection with different companies, distributors, um, and brands and such, and so that over and time they can just establish really solid relationships. Yeah, and we do a decent amount of vetting of the different companies too, and so it can pass on reputable mm-hmm. information to, I mean, pass on the reputable companies companies to the farms oh, okay. sometimes yeah, we get screwed in trying yeah. to figure it out yeah. ourselves <laughs> but yeah information sharing yeah work. and when we originally came up with mendocino generations we were trying to do um i wanted to do a dispensary in mm. boonville and it was going to be called mendocino generations which meant two things to me it was just about showcasing um, the different uh, genetics and strains, cultivars that have been bred in Mendocino. So generations, generations of that. And then also paying honor to the different generations of farmers that have kind of built this industry and made this all happen. Awesome. Long story short, we didn't have a dispensary. Yeah. They chased us out with pitchforks. Yeah. It was uh, next to a church that was, oh. wasn't really operating, but they even like bust in kids from out, out of the area. They planted funny. children. In the, the yard, so that when the, the inspector, inspector came, came. Then they said, "Oh, yeah, the inspector it's said, a daycare. Like, I know that they did this, but the kids are here, so you know that's that's it is what it is." <laughs> oh, and then they ended no. up selling the building to a brewery, a brewery. brewery the next year. <laughs> yeah, that's a, you know, that's what I think so funny. I was at a brewery uh, okay two years ago, and there were just little kids running around yeah. all over the place at a brewery, and everyone, right. all the parents are just drinking. Uh-huh. And then, can you just imagine? A dispensary with, or like a lounge, a cannabis yeah. lounge with p- kids running around. People would just like our houses. I see it's fine, yeah, but right. from yeah, like I, a totally from a city perspective, yeah. they, people like, would whoa. people would be going crazy. Yeah. They'd yeah. be you know out there trying to burn the dispensary down. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really? I think it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the past of Prop sixty four, everyone's super really excited, uh, and they thought California was going to be this big 
conglomerate of uh, cannabis industry. Everyone was going to make a bunch of money, especially mm -hmm. up here. At least mm -hmm. some people thought that. It has it hasn't seen. We haven't seen that. Uh, it was seeing because, like you mentioned, you have so many hoops you have to jump through, mm -hmm. and so many taxes you have to pay. So Tax fees, taxes and fees. They're just taxing you up the wahoo. Um, not only the state, the local governments. I've mm -hmm. seen as high as a ten percent or fifteen percent local governments, in addition to the other state mm -hmm. tax. Mm -hmm. um, do you think there's any other issues other than the taxes that are slowing down kind of the ca the, the California cannabis yes, industry? Yes, for sure. There's a lot of bottlenecks in a lot of different realms. So just on the cultivation side, um, the I think the biggest bottleneck is processing. And that was a license type that was sort of overlooked mm -hmm. in the beginning. And... Um, but they said that you can't process on site unless you have a, a specific location. You can only be in a certain zone for that. And um, so a lot of people were, you know, in, back in the day doing processing on site. Mm -hmm. Suddenly we have to do that off site. But now you have to trust a brand new processor, a distributor, a bunch of trimmers. You don't know your stuff comes back potentially like over trimmed or chopped into a million littles a yeah i can imagine these or, play through a machine yeah or they could potentially mm -hmm. contaminate your product on site in there we've had a, a trim company who returned all of our product trimmed loose in totes that were not our totes they were not in bags and they've written clearly on the totes somebody else's farm name and so my first reaction was obviously like i blue gasket but it was like hey you could contaminate our stuff if that farm was using chemicals and now you just ruined my whole crop potentially mm. you can't do that kind of stuff and so a lot of farmers do not trust processors for those reasons and they're charging more sometimes almost twice as much as what you would pay to have some nice family come trim for you <laughs> you know yeah and you can't you can't have them do that Correct. because of the licensing mm -hmm. so you think if we if they could fix if they could just let you do it without having to go through all the different steps and pay all the additional mm -hmm. fees with, you know. We could keep the money more local, too, yeah. because then people locally are coming to trim. I mean, there are trimmigrants, and there's that whole side of the scene, and that's a whole other topic. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, we could keep that money more local yeah. by providing jobs at the farms. that People could keep their quality control at a higher standard because of that. Mm. Um, and then, you know, uh, machine trimming is not really beautiful it you know bad, yeah. mm -hmm. so we insist that our stuff only gets hand trim when it goes to a processor and and so far we've been pretty much successful with that mm. um but so i think on the farm side that's the, the main problem yeah. on the the dis on the dispensary side you have severely high taxes for consumers mm -hmm. so in the beginning it was all like yay we get to go into dispensary and if you have your medical card you can get it tax-free well, the system to get a medical card now at the state level is so convoluted and on there's not a lot of information out there. So a lot of consumers didn't do that. Mm -hmm. They sort of let their medical cards lapse. And then so they're paying high taxes in the dispensary. And like you said, upwards, sometimes 12, 15 percent, I've heard in certain areas, especially like um, like L.A. and mm -hmm. you know, some of these more 
posh areas. They, yeah. they are jacking up the prices for retailers. And so the consumers get the shaft on that end. <laughs> And so, you know, those that's kind of like both sides of the spectrum. But then the farmers but, get the shaft, too, because the prices are so high. Everybody's right. beating you down on your price. Mm-hmm. And then the smaller farms, you know, have a hard time competing because the cost of production is so high for us small farms compared to the bigger farms. So it's just kind of, you know, pushing. It all comes back to you guys at the yeah. end. Cause, yeah, we yeah. take the brunt of it because, you know, you have these super large companies that have taken on a ton of investment. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning... They're just spending money left and right and not really caring just to kind of like lock in some farms or some brands or some, some product. The market. You know, and they're really. The portion of the market. Yeah. And they're really just they're trying to buy the most they can for the least they can mm-hmm. to keep their margins, you know, yeah. better. And so, you know, unfortunately, small farmers can't really take a lot of adjustments to their margin because we put so much effort into it. We're not. We're only 10,000 square feet, and we don't even use all of that. Mm. And so for somebody like us to take, you know, half our crop at a super low price and maybe, you know, a portion of our crop goes into our brand and then another portion of our crop gets sold at a decent price, we kind of come out like, eh, it's not that great anymore. Where it used to be, back when we started cultivating, you know, you could get $3,500 a pound. When I was a kid, it was like five. You didn't have to grow that much. My dad could grow a pretty minimal amount and live a pretty plush, you know, lifestyle out in the middle of nowhere Yeah, and go on vacation. And he was fine with that. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, these days it's like, we're always just trying to figure out where we can reduce and reuse and save constantly so that, you know, we can keep, you know, keep our margins better. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's why the black market is, still surviving and thriving oh, thriving, yeah. thriving more thriving, than yeah. ever i'm yeah. sure you can get the, <laughs> i'm sure you can Can't get, stop that yeah i'm sure you yeah. can sell a uh, pound a lot more on that market than you can the regular regular market hear, it's not all it's, that much it's different about, it's not it's, but yeah it's, but it's pretty the taxes, similar but like you don't Jamie's have to pay any taxes or fees or anything on it you know so like at the end of the day if we sold something for a thousand we're making like two or three hundred bucks yeah maybe mm-hmm. if someone else sells that for a thousand you know they're making eight hundred yeah the margin's super yeah, high you gotta pay for inputs and trim yeah and uh you talked about quality control a little bit what do you think uh the created role of the distributor you think that's uh been a benefit or a hindrance to the to the market to you guys or kind of a neutral a hindrance, hindrance? For sure. yeah because i mean if we came you know we we have to get our product tested anyway mm-hmm. you know we could they could figure out a way for us to be able to transport it safely you can take it in, represent yourself, actually speak to the people, and you know you're dealing with your own quality control. And then you don't have to pay somebody else an extra twenty percent plus go through two other steps to, you know, it has to go from this place A to that man, place. Yeah. You know, and it's got to get transported in between each spot. Mm-hmm. You know, it just ends up costing us a lot more. Plus, yeah. you're not representing yourself, so you don't know how somebody's representing you. And we've been through a bunch of distributors. We've got one that's working pretty good for us now, but we've been through a bunch that just totally dropped the ball. Didn't you know promote mm. us and like you're kind of you're counting on that you have to have your yeah. money coming in it's not like we're stacking dollars back here you know you need that money coming in so you can uh plant, get, plant <laughs> and, uh, keep, the keep it going, going yeah and keep fed and mm-hmm. pay your insurance and you know, mm-hmm. all that yeah so for yeah. me it's been a big hindrance yeah no i've heard that a lot i've heard the people struggle a lot with mm-hmm. finding a good good distri- distributor yeah. Yeah. to take 20 percent right off the top that's a lot it's yeah, steep you know lot. it's yeah. steep and like for our brand it's one thing for our bulk product 
it's totally different. So when we put something in our brand, it goes through an, another layer of QC, it gets jarred, which has a fee, it gets labeled, which has a fee, it gets tested, which is a big fat fee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then it gets driven to every, every dispensary, all the, you know, the guys who do the sales, they get their commission, you mm-hmm. know, so by the time it all is said and done, it's, it's hard, but we really love our brand and we really put a lot of effort into making it beautiful and unique and something that you can't really, you know, you can't really find our strains everywhere. Yes, we do sell bulk to other companies that put it in a jar eventually, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, we, we do something different here. We put a lot of you know, love and intention into our plants and, you know, Jamie's done a lot of, um, breeding with specific intentions for different traits and Mm -hmm. you know we're not just typically growing a lot of like you know one strain we have a variety and we you know do that for a certain reason which is partially because of where we live Mm -hmm. the sun and the soil and the you know amount of light hours and the type of you know um, weather that we get here all plays a factor in the terroir really plays a factor in the final product and how it comes out mm-hmm. um so let's talk about strains what uh, what, what strains are you guys growing growing right now lots <laughs> <laughs> we have a variety um this year yeah like we have our staples which jamie has bred which are like the jedi knights the true berry more mm, the lemon fire um, true rider uh also an og um we're coming up with some new strains uh um, so we're doing some seed testing, mm-hmm. you know, test, testing some lots. So we'll need some uh, new names. We have the Arcana yeah. OG times a true berry more number five. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> what do you want to call that? You know, and we have to taste it and learn about it mm-hmm. before we can really give it a name. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've been, you've been working with the same strains for, uh, we've had our staple strains, yeah. like our, our flagship strains we've had for like the true berry more, I probably had that for 13 years now. Awesome. I was going to um, say 12, so yeah. 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these are things that are all in, are, are all in clone form. Yeah. Um, and then the Jedi Knights has been like eight eight years. I think most of the rest of them have been around eight years, um, except for we've got a new one that's like two years old, the Pineapple Cheesecake. Oh, that's just a good fit. Fa- it's a favorite. Good. A lot of people love that one. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I'm liking I like the fruity strains. Mm. We got gifted, you know, a bunch of seeds just from, you know, the ranch mm-hmm. when we first started growing. So we started out with stuff like that, and then we'd bring in some exotic, uh, some exotics and cross it with that. And I really like getting seeds from just other growers in the area that have been doing things for a long time or just getting pollen from them so then you can make a cross of their pollen mm. and kind of keeping that uh, that you know old school culture going yeah just swapping pollen and swapping seeds with each other instead of just diving into grabbing you know some new neat looking clones from <laughs> the dispensary or mm-hmm. from some nursery which we do those. too you which know we do also yeah oh, okay. throw in some diversity yeah. here and there you know like I had a funny idea just because I tried this string called um, Peanut Butter Breath mm-hmm. a couple years ago. And and then we have a string called Wookie Cookies. Mm. So I thought, what, wouldn't it be funny if we crossed the pollen from the Wookie onto the um, Peanut Butter Breath and we made 
um, peanut butter cookies. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> or Wookie, Wookie breath. Wookie breath. breath. <laughs> How'd that turn out? Uh, what, well, that will happen this year. This year. Oh, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so that's, that's awesome. Uh, other than the clones you bought from the dispensary and nurseries, uh, are all the seeds you get from people from the ranch? Or is it more? No, of, I'm, no? I'm, I, you know, I go to all seed over. swaps yeah. too, mm-hmm. you know, and, and if we're at an event and I see something that's neat, like I look for stuff that's pretty true breeding. So all the pinots come out the same, you know, it's very stabilized. So then it makes it easier to make stabilized crosses with our stuff. Mm. How do you look for that? Uh, I ask the breeders. <laughs> gotcha. Know, which, what, yeah. What's your most stable strains? Yeah. And then talk to them about the different attributes of those strains. And then I'll pick a couple from this one and a couple from that one. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, what do you, so you have some R&D right now on the... Mm-hmm. You have yes. the Wookiee Breath. Yeah, any other new <laughs> new strains coming out this year? Uh, door to Infinity is coming out this year. Uh, Gordon Infinity? D- door to Infinity. Oh, Door mm-hmm. to Infinity. Yeah, awesome. we used to have a strain called the Green Door, but uh, during the, uh, we had them up at a nursery, and they got locked out due to the fires in Potter Valley a few years ago. And so, so they couldn't water. So they couldn't water, they so they all died. Oh. Um, but uh, another buddy of mine had a few, and he crossed it with his Infinity plant, so, and that was called the Green Door, so now it's going to be Door to Infinity. Awesome. <laughs> we did. We, we tried out a few of them last year and they were they were all really good so um so we're doing we did a big batch of them this year we're gonna pheno select for um for uh clones for next next season and later in the season i think we'll throw in a solid bed but we'll have that available in seed form so there'll be a little bit of phenotypic variation in it this first round and then we'll select the true door to infinity and then i'll use those to breed together to make a stabilized seed line Awesome, yeah. awesome. And uh, where where can people find your strains at, uh, after uh, after harvest? Um, well, our can of flowers is in a lot of dispensaries now. Where I think we've gone over the hundred mark. So oh, congratulations! Yeah, awesome. Um, we're all over the state, actually. Even in Humboldt, Mendocino County, we mm-hmm. sell our weed in dispensaries <laughs> in Humboldt. Which at first I was like, why would anybody? humble when I buy Mendo weed but you know maybe they're too tired of humble weed (laughs) Um, so yeah so uh, you can also go on our website and there's a store locator Perfect. Yeah. And see where we're at. Arcanaflowers.com. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, and uh, what 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 sets what do you, what sets uh, Arcana flowers away from the other brands out there? Well, I think, like I mentioned earlier, is um, something unique mm-hmm. that uh, you don't really see elsewhere. You don't really find true berry more. People will go. What? What's that? You know, it's a playing playing homage to the true Kush and uh, Drew Barrymore because <laughs> we like her. <laughs> and it's a, a strain that, like, is fun and bubbly. So it's like, you know, we, we really try to put a lot of um, effort into tasting and trying our strains and creating cool descriptions that really go along with, like, the, you know, the, the strain itself and sort of the vibe of that strain. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a thing for star wars around here so a lot of our strain like the wookie cookies and the jedi knights play homage to to the star wars thing um so that gets a, some attention there but really it's um you know, wookies are cool and jedis are cool too. <laughs> awesome yeah yes. of course <laughs> can't go wrong with a right? jo- wookie and a jedi yeah, right. <laughs> so then, you know we we put a lot of intention into what we do and mm-hmm. and um you know, like my hat says and like our, you know, the motto of our, our, our brand is better living through cannabis. And it's like we really try to produce medicine for the people and, and not just weed. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, like uh, the 
name Arcana Flowers, Arcana came out of a, a medicine song, and I believe, you know, um, plants have spirits, you know, so, like, I'm kind of trying to honor their spirit while I'm growing and, you know, communicate with them, and each each one of our different strains kind of has a, di- have a different relationship with, you know, and the ones that... When they're growing in, uh, when, when you're smoking. In, when I'm smoking them, you know, they yeah. give me different information. I think that they're powerful teachers. Mm. And so I treat them like that as as we're growing them. And, you know, and through harvest, you know, we, we thank them every time we harvest and um, try to do it in a really honorable way. Awesome. Um, so I think that, that intent and the love that we give the plants carries through into um, the flowers that people. Want to go into detail about the strains, sure. let people know what, yeah. what they can look for? Yeah, so uh, like I mentioned before, uh, I feel like cannabis carries a spirit and it carries a message and I have a different relationship with with the different plants. And I feel like if you're, you know, they're medicine not just for your body, but also for your mind and spirit. And so <clears throat> I tend to, we breed all our own genetics up here. And I, a lot of the fun for me is, is picking out two different things and, and saying oh i like this about that one i like that about that one you know versus you know phenotypically and and uh also from effects and the nose and and figuring out what i think will make a good strain and so what we have coming up soon um uh one of my all-time favorites is uh the lemon fire og and Mm -hmm. it's just wonderful daytime uh keep you working you know makes colors a little brighter you know puts a <laughs> smile on your face makes you whistle while you work uh so that one's super fun for me we have a bunch of that going um then we also have the jedi knights um which is an og gassy strain it's kind of floral tastes amazing um, and it, it's stronger, like the lemon fire usually clocks in, you know, 21 to 22%, mm-hmm. 17 to 22%, but the Jedi's a lot of times upwards of 28% awesome. THC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our last um, test we got back was 27. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> um, it's, uh, so it's, it's definitely stronger, and of course it's not just THC that uh, makes, makes the effects happen. It's yeah. the entourage effects, the terpenes, and the different minor cannabinoids. Um but that one um, I really like more for like the end of the day um, and not so much for working. It's great for playing music, doing yoga, going out in nature, which the I'd say kind of the same. Honing um, your Jedi skills. Yeah, like, skills yeah. Sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or yeah. creative strain. Yeah. Right. The true, true berry more same thing. It's yeah. also very strong. Um, it's more of an indica dominant, you know, 50-50 leaning towards an indica dominant mm. um, strain. Um, I think is awesome for stretching your body, playing with your kids, you know, like, you know, just playing and having a good time. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, some people would consider it couch lock. For me, it makes it so I can't sit still. Like, I got to get up and do <laughs> something. Yeah, I'm that same uh, way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, really good flavor and nose on that one. Um, and then the True Rider OG is a sister to the, uh, to the, the Jedi. Um, it's a little denser of a bud, and a lot of people are getting a lot of pe- feedback of folks saying that it's really helping them manage their pain. Yeah, awesome. Um, it's a good one for pain relief. It seems like a, mm-hmm. we've had a lot of people who buy, our, you know, stuff in dispensaries message us and say this might really help me for my chronic awesome. pain. So yeah. What was the what was that brand? The name? True Rider. True, True Rider. Rider. OG. Also OG. OG. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can just grab the pineapple cheesecake and like. <laughs> <laughs> Lately, yeah, I've been smoking a lot on that pineapple cheesecake. Um, 
Well, the nose is really pineapple. You have like, um, yeah, it just it kind of hits you right away when you smell it. And one of my favorite things to do is when I go, especially on a joint, is like dry hit the joint mm-hmm. so you can mm-hmm. kind of taste the flavor before you even hit it. And that one just like. Explain to everyone what dry hit. Dry hitting is when you roll a joint specifically and then you put it in your mouth and you just inhale and you kind of allow just the airflow mm-hmm. to pass over your taste buds and you can kind of um, get the flavor more of the terpenes before you smoke it. Perfect. Yeah. And it kind of also, you know, one, just like when you open a bag and you just like inhale your face into the bag or the jar, mm-hmm. it kind of allows your um, your endocannabinoid system like wake up like, oh, something's coming, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it kind of yeah, gets you right. tapped into yeah. what's coming next. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. And since you tips, tips of the tray. I mean, yeah. And since you <laughs> just like crushed it or chopped it or you know, broke it up with your fingers to roll into a joint, those things are really exposed. So you get yeah. a good hit versus mm-hmm. sticking your face in a bag. It's a little bit of a different yeah. experience. Yeah. I think the, all these tips are great because, yeah. you know, I feel like a lot of the uh, to help spread the word about Mendocino is to get people familiar of what the di- how to know the difference, learn the difference, how to actually like sense it and feel mm-hmm. it. And, you know, I feel like yeah. it's an important message to get out there. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, for sure. You know, the entourage effect is, is something that is just getting a lot of research done around it. And we're finding, you know, a lot of new minor cannabinoids and a lot of other you know, things that we didn't know about cannabis, there's kind of, we're just barely scratching the surface. I like to compare it to, it's nothing compared to the ocean, but, you know, they say we've only explored 4% of the ocean or something to <laughs> yeah. that effect. Something it's small. like that. It's like, we just don't really know all the amazing benefits yet. But, you know, every time we learn something new and mm-hmm. every time we get a test back, now we're doing all the terpenes and everything too. So we can kind of keep track of the general trend of a strain and maybe, you know, this one, better in this shadier location versus this full sun location or something to that effect like well we can learn about cultivating it better by getting the test results back yeah mm-hmm. awesome yeah and i'm just really excited about the further testing and diving into it cause no one's really done any research on on the actual plant and the medicine mm-hmm. of the plant uh yeah until every part now. can be used i yeah. mean like i teach a class on juicing the cannabis leaves and that has its you know properties of the phytocannabinoids and the greenery and the leaves itself specifically have a whole nother uh, set of healing benefits too and you know the roots are used for formulas and tinctures and things like that too so the whole plant awesome yeah that's exciting times (laughs) it really is yeah Yeah. Yeah. um and i saw that the the arcana flowers are dragonfly earth medicine certified no No, we are not not oh you're not okay okay gotcha we Um, we, you know we do our our things in the best way that we possibly can you know um we haven't gone down the road of getting a certification mm -hmm. though the dragonfly earth medicine one is free um a lot of them Uh aren't a lot of the certifications out there are not, and we just haven't really we have prescribed been intending to. No, <laughs> to we, one. I have been intending to. We've just been kind of just so busy, yeah. basically, the past couple of years. It's hard to get time to write an essay. We've had, That's we've literally had, where it's at. Yeah, oh, really? We've had, yeah. we've had oh. you know, people that, that can approve us come over and say, you've got everything in place. Can't, why don't you just fill this thing out? And I just haven't gotten to it yeah. for some reason. I, I understand. But it, it isn't my intention to I, do so. Okay, gotcha. So uh, and, all organic, though, right? Yeah, uh, totally. I know you can't and get organic do, certified for being cannabis, but every right. you know, you know, no pesticides. And no we do chemicals. have some folks growing our strain that are organic, um, that are, are dragonfly. 
part. Right? Oh, yes, okay. yeah, that is true. And then we also, at the state level, they're coming out with a certification process. Oh, awesome. So they will be certifying Soon. cannabis as awesome. organic. Yeah. And one other thing the state's working on is they're working, I think, is going to help this area is the Appalachia program. Yes, right. I was going to mention that, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think, the, I think this uh, this area really benefit from it, the Appalachia program and federal legalization so you can cross borders. Um, but have you guys had any work into the Appalachia program? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, actually, well, we are friends with the, the people that started that, the Mendocino Appalachian program which sort of really needed a broader scope uh, of view because in the beginning it was it was very um, specific to our area, of course, being the Mendocino Appalachian Project, but that still exists. But what has happened is the um, Origins Council sort of taken over that um, where they're lobbying at the state level on our behalf and, and really opening up that um, scope of view to the whole state mm. and and all you know it's like the border for the plants doesn't end between Mendo and Humble mm-hmm. like there's little microclimates and micro regions and climate you know microclimates within the the regions that they have put out like if we say we're from the Redwood Valley Appalachian that's way too broad yeah mm-hmm. um because you know where we are we get the specific amount of sun hours we're right on the point um so we get a lot of wind circling Mm -hmm. in different uh, ways where you know just a quarter mile that way they get fog every morning Mm -hmm. and the valley will get fog and we don't you know Mm -hmm. so it is it is different up here Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's very very different in these tiny little spots Mm -hmm. you know and so i think that as that um, Appalachian project becomes more uh, widely accepted in the cannabis industry and also starts mimicking these like wine regions and such like in France you know is where that sort of is like the, you know a, a good comparison mm-hmm. because you cannot call uh, you know wine from somewhere else even though it's the same kind of grape if it's mm-hmm. from grown in California you cannot call us that you know yeah. um, and so th- I think that will help us in the long run um, to really hone in and, and the connoisseurs will become mm-hmm. really aware and, and like uh, hyper aware of the microclimates and the cannabis of same strain from different regions coming out entirely different. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I'm, I'm really excited for that, for the state to finally accept that and for everyone to get the Appalachians approved and go through because uh, then you will be able to, you know, compare same strains, different locations and uh, you know, I think it will give a boost to the sun grown, which is my mm. favorite type yeah. of flower. Um, it, it, <laughs> it, it, not only does it taste better, it just I don't. It just feels it feels better. It feels it's got better. Spirit in it. it, it, it yeah. I think it, it does. It just feels a lot better when you smoke it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think? Uh, so, with the Appalachians, what do you think? Uh, do you have any predictions of the future of farmers up in Mendocino County? Ooh, well, depending on what kind of happens with this new ordinance and the provisional licenses and the CEQA situation that we have right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's like a cluster. (laughs) (laughs) Cluster F-bomb there because it's like so many different factors that are sort of unfortunately going to make a lot of people Mm -hmm. either fall off the map or go back to their old ways. Mm. Um, And so, you know, kind of keeping the genetics underground which has always been the way it has been anyways, and we never thought that would go away, really. It's just kind of, you know, yeah. we wanted to have, be legitimized and, and respected for what, what we're up to. But, um, 
you know, that's going to, the genetics will keep going no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the genetics will keep going. Maybe not the, the, farms, the, ma- the, the, farms. the, yeah. the regulated farms. Right. Maybe not. Yeah. And some areas are getting sunsetted, you know, so those people are just going to be out of luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, otherwise, I don't know what the future really looks like for Mendocino County weed yeah. or California the Emerald Triangle, you know, we're just really trying to, every day, you know, keep abreast of what the, you know, the issues are and how we can help mm-hmm. and, um, you know, do our best uh, and also be a good example. Mm-hmm. Because I think that when you have these operators who act like good examples where they have a license, but they're, you know, they're not really sticking to following the the guidelines maybe they went and applied but they never ever went and followed up so it's like they thought that might cover them for a little while mm-hmm. um so unfortunately that's going to come back to you know haunt a couple you know the, the farms around here um but really like you know we we want to be good operators so that the state really learns that we are you know we're we're worthy of that respect yeah and we've been doing everything we possibly can to follow along with their rules even how you know no matter how ridiculous they are (laughs) and complying with opposite regulations at the county level and at the state level and those sometimes are opposing yeah and you have to find a way to you know fit in um and so we hope that like through all that hard work and due diligence that all of this you know it it keeps the industry alive and really that honors the small farmers who put in so much effort over the years. Yeah, and one of the most important things that consumers can do is look for small farms and try and do that because it also supports our local community. So if you're asking about specifically what's going to happen in Mendo and all these you know folks in the hills who are getting sunsetted who shop at, shop at the local stores and, and the restaurants and... and um, you know, spend their money there. That the, cannabis has kept Ukiah alive. It would have dried up and blown away a long time ago. If, yes, if, if we cannabis, were counting on lumber. <laughs> but then all these exactly, other bigger yeah. businesses with investments, that money is not staying in the county. Mm-hmm. It's going out of the county, and so that's really making it harder for everybody. Not just like the cannabis farmers themselves, but it, it makes it hard, a burden on the town as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. the stores as well. Yeah, the local economy has definitely changed a lot since regulation. You'd kind of think it would have got better, and like you said, a boom, you know. Yeah. But really, it was the opposite. Yeah, a lot of money came out. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, you think that you think the county and city would understand what has been keeping it afloat right. for so, so long that they, would, yeah. that they would that they would kind of foster that and right. cater that but it seems like they got really greedy and exactly. said give us all your money because they probably expect you uh, farmers to just be sit it's the it's the f- int- most interesting thing it's you get it you know even just up here I, I feel like every single almost every single local government in california thinks that anyone related to cannabis is just sitting on a pot of gold right totally like oh, a bunch yeah. of leprechauns oh yeah i tell this story <laughs> all the time but like we had somebody in this at cdfw and i was on the phone with them and I was complaining about this fee that we had to pay. Just another agency charging us another fee for something that I can't really figure out why. Like, what are they really doing for us, you know? And the lady was like, well, you know, why are you complaining? Why don't you just go dig it up out of your backyard? Oh, she said that. And I lost it. I was <laughs> like, lady, you have no clue. You know, you have no clue. I, I don't drive around in some, you know, monster truck and, like, 
wear fancy clothes like what do you think this is like you know we are just trying to freaking survive like yeah. we've spent our life savings multiple times <laughs> trying to make this happen you know yeah, yeah and you know uh really appreciate of you guys uh because you know you guys are you guys are one of the few that are keeping it alive in mendocino and keeping the genetics going uh and it you know it's it's great to see it i'm, I'm happy you guys are, are keep yeah, going thanks. yeah thanks. i know yeah. i know it can't be easy we have smiles yeah. right here but like, you know, back here, we're like ah you know because it's every day it's something you know and like it, you don't get to just farm anymore like i spend a lot of time on the computer and like you know doing metric <laughs> doing licensing, fixing maps, you know? Yeah. And I don't get a lot of time out in the garden as, you know, as much as I'd like. So yeah. it's a challenge. You don't get to play in the dirt as much. <laughs> <laughs> Lately I have been, but, you know, there's times where, no, um, I don't. You know, yeah. Doing sales and doing all the stuff with the branding mm-hmm. and all that requires a lot of phone conversations. Yeah. Less Zoom calls these days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of that At least being up here with the, the pandemic, you know, everyone's more used to getting doing Zoom calls. It's got to be right. easier up to live up here. Yeah, yeah. it's been a, a lot of that, like, especially for, like, the Ladybuds documentary. I've been doing a lot of Zooming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it didn't, the pandemic didn't change my lifestyle that much. No. I'm just here. I'm just <laughs> awesome. Going in stores with face masks and washing my hands a lot. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything you want to let uh, anyone know about about your brand, about the f- a farm, about Mendocino? Just anything else you want to get out? Well, no, I'm not so much. I guess maybe just the Ladybugs documentary that I mentioned that, yeah. um, is just premiered in Canada last week. Or actually, let's see what date it is. Uh, April 29th it did. Um, and so then when it premieres in uh, the United States, then we'll be letting everybody know how to go find it and and watch it but it's about six women in the industry and follows our life and uh for four years mm-hmm. oh they followed you for four years pre-regulation yeah. and through that oh, that's process awesome yeah. until last that's a really call. good that's a, you, uh, to, you have a sneak peek of oh, it yeah. that's cool that's pretty good <laughs> that's lady buds yes uh, buds with the b at uh, the d yes yeah. ladybudsmovie.com and you can see uh that there they're doing a gofundme um and but it's you know it's really an interesting story from a different perspective which you don't hear a lot which is from the women's perspective um but also from people in every different sector of the industry we have from an mm. activist to a couple farmers to a dispensary owner to a manufacturer you know so we have everybody in you know a, 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 with different roles and their struggles through that pre-legalization, through legalization. It sounds very interesting. Very eye-opening. Yes. I'll definitely yeah. check it out. Yeah. 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 And we don't know that. We don't know the date yet. You can't. You no. don't know that. Oh no. <laughs> soon. Soon. Yeah. That's yeah. the information yeah. we got. Just keep your eyes peeled. Next month or so. Uh, yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, <laughs> check out our uh, ladybuds. Uh, but before then, also uh, check out Arcana Flowers. You can be found uh, in various cities. Check check out ArcanaFlowers.com. Check out where you can get it. Anything else? Yeah, I'll leave you the, with one thing I'm really excited about that's coming out this season. Yeah, is the is the door to infinity. You know, like the mm-hmm. the nose on 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 it is just incredible and the high, heavy on the piney. Was it is it piney? Uh huh. Heavy yeah. on the piney. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Any and, other notes? Uh, yeah, it has. Like, I mean, it definitely. I think it. Well, the green door was one of my favorite strains ever. Just to like, you know smell when it's growing oh yeah it's just it incredible it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and so yeah it definitely has a really unique um 
unique nose on it, and it's the most sativa thing that we have going on. Um, and so that when we cross it with the Infinity from our friend yeah, over at Heart Rock, yeah, then, Daniel at Heart Rock Farms made that cross yeah, and um, gave us the seeds back. And it was one of his like super sativas. Mm. So to you know, it's kind of it'll be interesting to grow out. We had a couple like uh, plants that Jamie was mentioning before that they came from the same same bud, same cross, same seed stock, but they came out in like. I think we had like four big ones of those ones, and they um, all were totally different. And so, uh, yeah, we're really just trying to hone in on. Yeah, we're trying to narrow it down yeah. to you know pick the one that's going to be the door to infinity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we still might find a few few unicorns in that batch because everything came out pretty good. But, mm-hmm. uh, awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep my eyes out yeah. and my yeah. nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you so much, and yeah. thanks again for inviting me up here. It's beautiful up here. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, thank guys. You. All right. <laughs>